Hello, and welcome to SaaS Marketing Insights, the show where we ask SaaS founders, CEOs, marketers, and investors about the lessons they've learned in their quest to grow their companies. My name is Paul Stevenson, and I'm founder and CEO of SaaS marketing agency, 47 Insights. On today's show, I have an interview with Megan Tobin, VP of Marketing at Send With Us. Hope you enjoy it. Megan Tobin, uh, VP of Marketing at Send With Us. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. So you're based down in uh, sunny San Francisco. Uh, I'm in sunny Victoria right now. Too much sun uh, for October. It's weird. Yes, um, we we also have our we have a lot of uh, gray and gloom over the summer here because of the fog, and uh, so we're actually enjoying our our Indian summer right now as well. So it's very warm and toasty here too. Yeah, I was down there a couple of weeks ago, and it was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um, so, so tell me, you you know, we, we were just saying that you've had a, a, a long and successful career in marketing, uh, now in, in SaaS marketing, but you've always been in tech marketing and always in San Francisco, is that right? No, actually, I've moved around quite a bit uh, for my different roles, but uh, I've always been uh, in tech marketing. Um, predominantly B2B, and I was in SaaS before we called it SaaS. So. <laughs> yeah, I remember those good old days. Yes. So, so how, did, how did you get started? So I have a really unusual background for a tech marketer. I went to American University uh, and studied communications, and but I also uh, did theater lighting and I did concert lighting. And I had a friend's band who in my last year of school asked if I would travel to them for the summer to Southeast Asia and work for them. And then I, after accepting, I found out it was even going to get paid. So I was very excited. Um, And that just accidentally dropped me into a career of about seven or eight years of being a concert lighting technician. And I worked for a lot of different different bands and it was a very glamorous, not so much, uh, entertainment life for, you know, the first eight years after I left school. And I got to travel a lot and make some very good money for someone my age. Um, but it was also not as glamorous as it may sound. But um, but I started working predominantly with a couple of different lighting companies in California. And that's how I ended up in California, uh, in Los Angeles. And um, light, lighting was just becoming sort of computerized and automated at that point in time. And technicians needed to learn how to code sometimes. And we also needed to learn how to run computerized lighting boards. And so I spent a lot of time learning that technology and then taking it and then sort of battle testing it out on the road. And um, I got married and decided I didn't want to tour as much anymore. And one of my vendors offered me a job. And I, I laughed and said, what the heck would I do? And they said, well, you take our products out on the road and you communicate back to the office with us and you tell us what's wrong and tell us what's right. And you like write up bug, you basically you write bug reports and you, uh, and, and when we want somebody to go demo this to a new client, you're who we, you're who goes out and explains how, how, how it can best be used. They said, basically you're a product manager. Would you like to be a product manager for us? And uh, I took that job and spent the next three years kind of, thinking I was going to 
I was going to quit and not and not continue. Um, but I just they were they were going through a lot of explosive growth, and I um, they were not a SaaS business. This was pre SaaS, um, but uh, they were a um, they were a retailer of uh, uh, computer hardware and software. And um, I think that a lot of my experience with sort of um, when you when you are a concert technician, you collaborate across a lot of different groups, right? You're not housed in like, this is my job and this is all I do. And you work together to make sure that a show happens. And I think that has informed my life and my career. So for example, I get really frustrated by silos. I, you know, it's like, we're all trying to move the business forward. We need to work together. Um, it's not like this is where my job stops and this is where your job starts. So um, when I joined them, they were primarily uh, of storefront retail and catalog business. And I um, suggested we move our business online and wow. start selling hardware and software online. So we were one of the first in our space to launch an online store. And then so what, sort, wanted, what sort of era was this? Uh, this, uh, this was early to mid 1990s. So, yeah. you know, nobody was going to buy anything online or put their credit card in. And, um, and also Noah and, and this was, this was the era of downloadable software. So you could buy software online and down it, download it. It was very nation, but, um, but none of the big guys were going to sell their software online because we had the, all these middlemen with like Ingram micro and all, you know, all the distributors and well, how are we going to get the box to them? And it was like, like, like the, <laughs> it sounds hilarious now, but there were literally hour long meetings, meetings of like people like pulling their hat or like, well, how will we get the keys there? And, and if we take Ingram micro out of the, you know, if we take the big distributors, so Ingram micro, I'm not dissing them. There are lots of them, but it was sort of like, we had these long meetings. And so it was sort of like this, you know, creating workflows of like, okay, this, they will buy this from us. Then they will go and they will get the key from these people. And that way Ingram micro is still in the, in the loop and they can still charge their fee. So yeah. It, um, so we actually were one of the first sites where you could download sort of like Microsoft software uh, and Claris and all those other, also those other big names at the time. Um, so yeah. Um, so it was um, definitely a trial by fire and I was there for a number of years and um, just learned and grew. And I, um, I think it has really informed my approach to marketing. You know, I know, I think that, um, you know, one of the things I love about marketing is that you're always learning um, if, and, and you, and, and it's evolved a lot in, in the years that you and I have, have uh, been in marketing, but a lot of the skills that I learned early on are really, you know, I think quite valuable. You know, when you're in a catalog business, you learn how important list management is because every time you blow it, with a catalog business, you are wasting a lot of money by sending the same person eight catalogs. Yeah, you're you're pissing them off, and you're wasting the same money. The same, the, it's the same is really true with email, for example, right? You if you, yeah. if, you if your list is 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 horrible, and you're you know, and you're not paying attention, um, sending the same person eight emails that are are not a really great personalized experience is is also doing you a disservice. And it's it's maybe not as costly to you on a, on on what you think of your back end as as sending poor emails, but it is, you know, it it from the overall customer experience. Um, that is the slickest segue I've ever heard. From, <laughs> from how you got started into what you're doing now. <laughs> hey, why don't you tell us about send with us and what you <laughs> 
Well, I, I think that I, I really am not not that smart to have engineered that beforehand. But um, oh, it's cool. <laughs> but uh, but, it, but it's true. I mean, like a lot of what we learned early on, I think, is what makes us. It, it either you learn and you continue to evolve, or you don't. And I think that what I learned early on about list management and you know personalizing the experience and and just uh, it you know really having a good attention to detail. Is, is why I've had a good career and, and why, you know, I, why I'm with a great company now. So, cool. so send with us, uh, I, as their name does not efficiently tell you, uh, as our name, it, it, we do not actually send. So we are an email creation platform. Um, we have a, the original Scum With Us product. It was really focused on sort of a soup to nuts email content creation platform that's created um, for your most complex emails. Uh, and I'll explain what I mean by that uh, in a minute. But and that's focused on startups like our, ourselves and sort of sort of mid market. Um, as we grew, we found that uh, customers we had large scale enterprises downloading and using the software, and um, we we met with them and discussed like, well, we really want to understand your business and why you're using our our tool as opposed to some of the big guns out there, and 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 what's sort of missing. So what I would, what I, I, email is a really crowded space. Um, and that was my impression first when I, when I got here too, is that emails are really crowded space. There's a lot of email solutions out there. And, and, and really, I think about this a lot. Why are there so many email solutions <laughs> and why haven't we gotten this right after 20 some odd years of email? And I think that a, a lot of email marketing tools that are really great have a couple of problems. The two problems that I see are one, they don't work very well if you're collaborating with non-marketers. So nobody who's running Marketo or Salesforce Marketing Cloud or Adobe, you know, Adobe marketing tools or Oracle's marketing tools wants to share their, <laughs> their wants to give a login to like three developers and two product managers. And yeah. um, so, there, so there's that. So they work, if you have to collaborate across disparate teams, Frankly, they don't do that, and and nobody wants to add you know fifty more users to their marketing cloud because you pay by seat and it gets costly. Yeah. And you also don't want people in there that don't understand the value of your list and might send the wrong email to the wrong person, and then you're responsible for that. So that's you know I mean there's all really good reasons for not doing that. Um, the other thing is that uh, and then that I found as a you know very hands-on marketer for the last many years is is Email creation tools within email marketing platforms are really, really good at creating emails for promotional purposes. Hmm. So, so really simple promotional emails are really simple for marketers to create. As soon as you want to get dynamic personalization or you want to hook up to a data warehouse and you want to really personalize or, you know, make something really timely, um, or include things like credit card data or order tracking data or uh, recommendations based on your last five purchases, they start to break. They start to break really, really easily. And marketers then need developers to work on them. And as we've already discussed, uh, marketers don't want developers in their marketing cloud. And developers generally hate working on email because it's sort of like, the, it's sort of like, it's sort of like beneath them, right? Like I could, I, I'm, I'm so smart and I can write code that can save the world. And now you want me to fix your ugly email. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it's real. it's, it can be, it's a, it's a big struggle. And so 
what Send With Us has done has created a marketing platform that is technical enough for developers to use, easy enough for marketers to use, and col and collaborate. So we're not doing this end, but you can collaborate with, with developers, product teams who generally have to own transactional emails or uh, triggered emails, as some people call them, from the product, and then marketers. And all of these emails need to work together because to me, it's really about I think the, the future of marketing is less about marketing and more about growth or, you know, revenue or being a CRO and yeah. also about customer experience. And if you send awesome marketing emails and your, tra your transactional or your triggered emails suck, <laughs> like just roll up and go home because yeah, you know, no all, the, yeah, all the goodwill you've done, you, yeah. you know, we've all had this right where we get fantastic, fantastic promotional emails and then you buy from the organization and you get a horrible, horrible email that looks worse than, uh, like, like, like some receipts at stores are really cool where they've got they are personalized and they've got um, uh, coupons and offers targeted to you. And then you get you like you buy a ticket for seven hundred dollars on Air Canada and you get a, a a black and white email with no branding on it and a link to a PDF. And that's so 1998. It hurts, and it's still happening. So, and and I did just call out Air Canada, but we also actually we started this a little bit controversially a couple months ago. We have the transactional email Hall of Fame and Hall of Shame, where we call out whether it's us or whoever or our customers or whoever we call it the best emails that we see every month and the worst emails we see every month um, from a transactional standpoint. And you'd be surprised at the amazingly huge brands that just can't seem to get it together. Mm. Yeah, well, the yeah. bigger the organization, the more complex and the more people it has to go through. And they don't like change full stop, really. I mean, why yeah. would you change anything? <laughs> Absolutely. Once those silos are built in stone, it's really hard to, yeah. to work across yeah. them. Yeah. And some, some of them probably haven't changed since 1998. They're probably using the same back end. <laughs> God knows what else. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, exactly. So... Um, so that's a, that's a that's a big problem that you guys are solving the whole uh, high quality transactional email as part of the product experience for the customer. Um, so you know it's about it, it, you know a lot of marketing. We talk a, far too much about acquisition, and you could see maybe promotional emails being part of that. But on the transactional side, what you're actually talking about is monetization and retention and actually, you know, looking after those those customers. Well, absolutely. I mean, the, uh, this was a subject that was sort of near and dear to my heart when I got here because I, I, I spent a lot of time in organizations where marketing was really focused on acquisition. And mm. even if we were killing it, we were still hemorrhaging as a business if retention yeah. was poor, you know, and, and, and there was only so much we could do to help with that. And it was ever so frustrating. Um, so there's that. The, the other point is that uh, I also was, um, the last company I was at, I was the director of creative and brand, um, not accidentally, but that's, it was a very, very large public company. And, um, and it was a sort of a different and fun role to sink my teeth into. But what was super frustrating is as director of creative and brand, everything that was sent out had to be looked at at some point by me. But all of our promotional emails, all of our marketing emails came out of our, our same team. And so I got to see them very easily. Everything that came out from our, our lines of business, if you will, and we had numerous ones of them, 
um, all those different lines of business work with separate outside agencies mm. and who, who, who took dramatic liberties sometimes with our branding cool. and we would review and approve and then they would start to code it and then it would break. And then we'd, you know, I mean like multiple, multiple go rounds and no system for approvals and workflow for that, except for them emailing me a proof and me emailing back with changes. Is very you know sort of antiquated, and these are this is this is not unusual. It wasn't like the organization I was at was messed up. This happens, and we see it all the time with our customers. So from from a director of brand and creative, I was like, why can't this just like why can't there be one place where I can see this? Why can't you know like we have approval workflows for legal contracts or for POs? Why is there no system for this? And it just drove me batty. Um, So yeah. So you solved the problem by becoming marketer for a, a transactional email <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I became I, I decided this was a problem that people needed to talk about, you know, and uh, it, it, I, um, I mean, I'm with, I'm with, I like being with SaaS startups and the, you know, I think that I've been with a couple of public companies and consulted for public companies. And uh, I, the, the last role that I was at, I, it was pointed out that I had never been you know, very high up in the marketing organization at a large public company. And maybe that was missing in my resume and uh, I could learn some things. And I took the bait and was there for about four years. And it was a, it definitely was a good learning experience. Um, And what I discovered is that if you are tenacious, you still can get things done. However, there's far too many people that put things in the too hard basket because it's like, well, I can't do this without somebody over here. And that, that's so ultimately that's not really my personality. The other thing is that I, I have worked for a lot of startups and I worked there. They haven't all been marketing companies, uh, SaaS marketing companies. In fact, very few have been, but um, a lot have been infrastructure or things like that. And I like emerging technologies. And I, what I, I think is a common thread is that I like actually solving real business problems. You won't see a pets.com. I mean, not that getting dog food delivered is not (laughs) brilliant because I love that, but I generally like, I generally always worked with B2B companies and it's sort of like, is is this a real business problem and can we help? And I I think that this is a problem whose pain I have felt as a marketer and we can help. And I think it's actually for better or for worse for us, it's not a problem that gets talked about very much. I kind of call transactional emails most organizations dirty little secret because yeah. marketers tend to be like, I'm pretending that these don't email emails don't exist. Yeah, I they're not part of my remit. <laughs> they a lot of times they're like they're set it and forget it. Like marketing got to look at it once and it yeah. just starts to get sent out automatically. And you know, the first thing that gets forgotten when somebody brand refresh or those emails or you know and and maybe they looked good five years ago but nobody's going back and 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 consistently refreshing them and uh you know as you know at the at the last company where you know there was more than one occasion where i got sent an email from the ceo while he was on the golf course like my buddy got this email from us it looks like (laughs) it looks like hell what were you guys doing you cannot hit reply and say to the ceo like my team didn't do that he doesn't care, you know, no. or she doesn't care. But in that case, this case, you know, that you can't, you just can't do that. And so, um, so I, this, I think is a problem that doesn't get talked enough about because it, it because 
frankly, it's embarrassing that we don't have a hold on it. And so, um, you know, we really are trying to shine a light on this as a problem and, uh, and bring it to the forefront of like, you can do better. These emails, I mean, transactional and automated emails, you've got a customer who've just, who's just purchased from you. These emails have like a hundred, they are 120 times more likely to be opened than any promotional email that you send, period, right? These customers are your most engaged customers. Forget the 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers. Like you've gotten them. Now you have a chance to make them either brand loyalists or to completely alienate them. And yeah. in this day and age of, of I, what I think is a very sort of almost fickle consumer, um, you, you have to have all of your ducks in a row and you have to give them a really consistent experience the whole way through. And if as a marketer, you're not thinking about that, I think you're really missing the boat um, because you're just going to keep having to churn and churn and churn and acquire. So, and eventually <laughs> you, you, run out of, you run out of potential prospects. You do. So, so tell me this. Uh, so, send with us, you've got uh, the, the new uh, enterprise scale system, I think, which you, which you call Dispatch. Which is called Dispatch. Yeah. Yeah. So, is it, um, in terms of like selling that to, to an enterprise, is it that you have to uh, get multiple groups of people to agree? You know, who's the lead? Is it, are you selling primarily to marketers or developers or product or, or is it like a, like a, you're selling to all of them? <laughs> we're, so, so we're, you know, as as you all know, with enterprise market, or enterprise marketing and B two B sales, there's there's usually more than one. There's definitely more than one stakeholder. And and having yeah. been in like IT infrastructure sales, um, and marketing, it's the same, right? There's an IT person. There's there's a, a line of business owner, and you you end up finding one champion who's going to push you through, and a bunch of influencers who you have to convince that there's value. Um, and, and then you usually have to sell the, you know, so the ROI and the bottom line, and it's no different there. I think the difference here is that we have to spend, we are spending a lot of time evangelizing this to marketers because frankly, most marketers, like I said, aren't thinking about this and are not, are, they haven't a lot allocated budget to it there. This isn't, this is not all. I think, you know, some of our customers are great early adopters and are thinking about this. They're thinking about the whole customer experience. Mm-hmm. I think that if you read a lot of analyst reports and things like that, you you see that a lot of them are talking about the fact that marketers need to to think more about the entire customer experience. And yeah, you know, so a lot of the organizations that we're talking to that are early adopters might have someone that's like a director of CRM and not a director of CRM like, hey, I'm the head of our Salesforce installation, but someone who's really thinking about customer relationships and customer experience uh, from an overall whole sort of more holistic perspective. The other thing is someone who might own all of the digital, like from an IT standpoint, um, they own digital messaging from like a how email is transacted throughout the business and they might serve marketing and they might serve other teams as well. And that can be our point person. So it's a very complicated sale and it's still something that we're sort of still peeling yeah. back the layers of the onion to, to do that. Work out. Yeah. yeah. And, and meanwhile, which bit, which bit drives which bit. <laughs> yeah. And I think meanwhile, we're also investing heavily in a lot of thought leadership articles and content um, to talk about this problem for marketers and sort of pull the covers back. Because I think I think in three to five years, marketers are going to think more holistically because I think we're going yeah. to have to. And I think if you look at the companies that are really, really winning out there, 
they are, you know, if I think about like a, an online, a digital experience from, you know, does Starbucks really have better coffee or do they just have a more rich, holistic experience where I can order from my app, I get rewards on my app, I can use my credit card from them in my app, you know, I can get my coffee and go on the run if I'm really in a hurry. Um, do I get emails on my birthday? Do I get, you know, all of those do I get a summary at the end of the year that shows how much coffee I've consumed and maybe I should switch to decaf? You know, so, I mean, like, I think companies that have those sort of holistic experiences are, are the ones that are going to stand out in the crowd, sometimes even if they don't have a better product. And I think that we as marketers have to start thinking about that. And so yeah. I'm, I'm banking on my fellow marketers to really um, start thinking about that. So, yeah. Good luck with that. No, I agree completely. <laughs> this is was something that, a, that, that a, was that a sincere good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that's going to be hard. I, I think the difficulty is that marketers are are measured uh, far too often on acquisition, and you know there's no mechanism in place for measuring marketing performance. Uh, you know, right the way through the the customer lifetime, um, right. and, and and that is the issue right now. Um, and we're just not quite there yet, is my feeling. But but we all marketers, when marketers get in the room, this is what we talk about. We talk about right. this as being a problem. You know, there's the other big problem that people talk about is attribution, but that's another thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a it's an issue. Um, the thing I wanted to ask you was uh, was about so so you know you you gave us the outline and you said that you'd worked in um, you know B two B enterprise space with technology companies. Uh, for a while now, uh, and I wondered if um, there were any differences that you'd experienced in terms of um, SaaS in particular uh, and how you market SaaS at an enterprise level as opposed to uh, anything that you might have experienced at another level or not with SaaS at all when you know, it was good old-fashioned uh, software and you just bought a license. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, so it's I just definitely like anything, it's it's been an evolution, right? I mean, ten years ago, definitely twelve years ago, you didn't sell SaaS Enterprise. Um, you you sold you if you had a SaaS version, you sold that to small and mid market, um, and uh, and if you had a SaaS tool, you used it as a sweetener for enterprise to like maybe somebody in IT would download it and try it out, but if they were going to yeah. buy it. They were going to buy it. They wanted it on-prem, behind their yeah. firewalls, in, in their servers. It was sort of like the same, the same sort of thinking as as far as like, uh, you know, nobody's going to use their credit card online. It's like no enterprise is going to put their data in the cloud, and and <laughs> and, and, and which is I know Amazon's chuckling all the way to the bank on that one, but but um, I mean for a long time that was true, and then there was just dipping of toes in the water. Of like, okay, we'll put this kind of data in the cloud, but this, no, yeah. this has to be behind. And, um, you know, I think that now we've seen, and even with breaches and things like that, it's not the cloud that's the problem. It's the, it's the, it's the software and security that protect yeah. that, that you use to manage it. Um, and so that 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 has definitely evolved. I think that you know, I have worked in B two B SaaS companies that had sort of like a freemium model. Um, I have to say, I am not. A huge fan of the freemium model. I I was never even a fan of the freemium model when everybody had to do it. Uh, that is that is not to say that we don't have you know a light or a trial version that yeah. we offer. But but I think that um, 
you think it attracts the wrong kind of people? I, I, you know, I think that, I think that, I think that, uh, you know, if you're building something of value, I think, I think it's the same sort of conversation about like online music, right? It's if you're building of something about a value and you're going to be there as a partner with somebody, especially in the enterprise space, you're going to get paid for it, you know, and, uh, and, uh, or, and you should be, and you deserve to be. And I think with freemium, once you've given somebody something for free for without the expectation that you're eventually going to charge, it's very hard to, Mm -hmm. to upsell them, um, to a paid version. And maybe it's a psychological because it, thing as well. it really commoditizes it. It's sort of like, well, mm-hmm. I can, you know, like I can download this and use this one for free for 60 days. And then I'll yeah. go and download the other, another competitor for 60 days, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, oh, these, I've had this for free for a long time. And now they want me to buy this because it has more features. Well, you it shows, doing, shows no commitment. That's, that's the issue. Right. There, you know. I mean, I'll tell you, I rarely download some, some free software. I mean, apps on my phone, I guess are probably another thing, but, and and apps that are tied to something where I, it, it's a known sort of like, you have a free app because you expect me to buy other things with you. Mm. That, those all make sense. But how many times have you gone to try to like, you don't use it all the time, but you, you need to convert a music file or a video file, right? And you go to find a piece of software that will do it. And it's like, oh, this is great. This is free. And you download it, you install it, you start to do it. And then you can't like save it or render it without buying <laughs> Yeah. 49.95 it's like i get so cranky because because it's like why don't you just tell me that yeah, it's up front yeah. yeah instead of bait and switch <laughs> yeah so i i mean i know that millions of people do this the other way but i've always found that that either a freemium model is really successful when it's that bait and switch kind of thing or or when you just are looking you know when when you're just looking at trying to grow numbers you know, mm-hmm. if you just want a whole bunch of signups and users so that you can send yeah. ads to them, freemium's great. But if you want to have a partnership with a customer and and do something of value, you know, like put a, put a number on it and 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 expect expect that you're going to be paid for what you what what is deserved, and then live up to it. You know, and 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 give them a great experience. So that's just me. And that's exactly what you guys are trying to do with transactional email in the end just trying to give people a great experience you know once once they're on board with uh with with one of your clients one of your customers right uh get you know that's what it's all about i mean uh, you know this focus on acquisition (laughs) we have to all uh transfer into a new way of thinking uh and we need to be at the heart of making uh companies think differently about marketing as well yeah Uh, and that's it is a tough one so um well, I mean, if you want to, you know, marketers, marketers historically love the cross and the upsell, right? But, yeah. but why send them a separate email that they aren't likely to open? And I think there's businesses that do a great job of this, right? I mean, I buy something from Wayfair or Target and uh, at the bottom are things that I've looked at before or things that might go with what I purchased. I mean, I bought yeah. a grill, I buy, I buy a grill. You know, maybe you need grill tools and maybe you need a grill cover because, hey, you live in San Francisco and it rains a lot there. You know, I mean, that's 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 really that's really timely. It's in I'm tracking it. I'm waiting for my grill to come. So I'm going to open that email. And for if, if they send me six other emails that same day, it's not as efficient because I probably am not going to open six 
target emails in a day. I might only open one. And it's and if it is, I'm going to open the one that has my order tracking. So why not create, you know, and I'm busy. I don't need six emails. I need one really good email. You know, we we are all, we all can, I think, agree that between social media and online web presence, we're all sort of jockeying for eyeballs and position and it's harder than ever. So why not get your audience when they're captive and when they're engaged with you? So, yeah. So yeah. one of the things I, I wanted to ask you, because I, I think you're a lot like me and, you know, you started out very hands on and you, you probably like being hands on. How did you. Uh, and even if you, I'm not even sure you have, how did you segue out of being less of a hands-on marketer and, uh, and actually, you know, learn to delegate massive chunks to other people? I think, uh, so I think that uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting question and that's not, that's not a time buyer. Um, I think that's been a hard thing for me. You know, I, I think as a, you know, as a mom, I think I have a tendency to kind of be a helicopter parent, though I, I don't want to be one. And I think the same thing happens with marketing, you know, that um, and especially if you, you know, when you join a SaaS startup and you're, you know, the first marketer on board or whatever. And this I'm not speaking specifically here because I think actually I've done I think this has been probably the last several companies have been my first successful forays into actually really learning how to be. Um, more strategic and less hands-on and I I think that I I feel like here I've kind of cracked the code on that knock wood but um but uh, it's that is I think something I've definitely struggled with because you know you know how it is I I don't know if you're a parent or whatever but it's sort of like this is faster and easier if I just do it myself and (laughs) and or, or watch me do this you you come here and watch me do this and and you'll learn while I'm doing it but we have to do it quickly because oh my god this email has to go out tonight or whatever it is, right? You know, like we have to prove these ads right now. Whatever it is, it, it's always a rush. It's always a hurry. You know, I mean, yeah, I have as, as you know, like the third person in a startup, you know, organized and been on the trade show floor, done everything and sent all the FedExes and, you know, whatever it is. But, um, but that doesn't mean that's like my core value. And I think that also took, yeah. a, I think that I had to realize that I had a lot more to offer than that. And I think the other thing, and I, um, I am a, I'm an athlete outside of work, and I think that being an athlete outside of work and coaching there has helped me tremendously in coaching here. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I mentioned, you know, when when I met Matt, our CEO, and when we were talking, I was like, you know, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, and I'll do it myself. But it's more important to me at where I am in the career in my career that. I feel like I really need to help raise good marketers and, and, and more sort of holistic and well-rounded marketers. I think so many people sort of specialize in one area um, and really go down. I mean, and those rabbit holes are really important to go down. And I mean, like you have, like, it's great if you can find a great SEO expert or, or someone who is fantastic with events or, you know, someone who is, you know, just really fantastic with analytics, but, but we also need people who can think like generalists as well and collaborate well with others. Otherwise, we end up just having a crap ton of silos within a yeah. marketing team, too. And I think that for me, it's really important that I act as a coach and allow people here to succeed and fail. And, and you know, I don't want to tell them what to do. I want them to tell me what they want to do. I want to give them feedback on whether I've, I've done that and, you know, 
pylon on my face before five times. And like, I'm not saying not to do this, but maybe think about these five things. And I think that's, um, I have to say, it, it's way more rewarding than just doing it yourself. Um, yeah. And I am really trying it, truly enjoying it. I am very biased, but I think I have a crack team here um, working with me and I'm really proud and pleased. And I think that I'm a better marketer and a better person because I am allowing them to do great work themselves. And, and um, you know, I just look good by association. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. But I think, you know, for a lot of hands-on marketers, that, that's one of the, the the hardest things that we have to deal with. That, you know, it's this, you know, passing of control, responsibility, accountability, whatever. Um, it doesn't come easily if you're used to no. doing a, a lot yourself. Um, yep. So I was really interested in, in how you'd coped with that. Uh, and so, you know, my next question, final question is, you know, how do you balance everything that, that you do as a, you know, as a busy uh, VP of marketing, uh, which, you know, we all know how little time that takes up, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you keep that work-life work -like balance? It sounds like you have some uh, good interests outside of work. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So I'm a triathlete and an Ironman. And, oh, um, wow. and, and that takes up a good amount of time. Um, and, uh, I think that, um, that, and, and, uh, I mean, I think balance is a little bit of a myth. I think that it, you know, we're constantly, um, I think for me, it's sort of about, you know, I used to be like, I have all these balls to juggle and I was, it was a very stressful, like I can't let any balls drop. So I think one, I think that, that learning to delegate, you learn to delegate by necessity, right? Like I can clean my home better, be better than a cleaning lady, but you know what? In peak mm -hmm. training weeks, I'm going to have a cleaning lady because it's sort of like, it's sort of like really realizing the value that, that you bring, like what's my best value and is yeah. my best value cleaning my house after <laughs> a six hour bike ride on a Saturday, or is it, is it getting off the bike and then going and spending time with my son um, you know, and, and relaxing that way and, and coming into work on Monday focused and fresh. Uh, I mean, I think it's just about, um, it's about compartmentalizing. It's about learning to delegate. It's about trusting people around you. Um, to me, that means a lot. I mean, I have a great partner at home and he takes care of a lot of it, a lot of things. And does he do it exactly as I would? Cause I have all these weird <laughs> tendencies. No, but I think it's about learning to let go of that a little bit. And, you know, yeah. there's a lot of things that once you let go of that, those, some of those OCD tendencies, they really are good enough, you know, and, mm. and, you know, I'm, I'm, I might point out how they could be better sometimes, but I try to keep that to a minimum because I like being married to him. But, um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I think that it's just about, you know, like I am a, um, I think I am a, I, it's all of, for me, it's sort of about ruthless prioritization. And that doesn't mean like cutting out the, the, the fun stuff to me. That's yeah. like, that's like letting go of some of the, the, the dumb stuff so that you could really focus on what's the most important. I think you have to do that when you're, you know, at a SaaS startup and you're, there's only a couple, like, there's only a couple people. It's like, okay, mm. we really need to do these 50 things, but there's only three of us. Yeah. 
you can you can try to do 50 things really poorly but can you do 15 things really really well and they're the most important and are going to move the needle the most and i think that doing that you know in my training in my life in my work has has made me a better marketer because it's like i'm not going to do these 50 things i'm going to do these 15 things really really well you know and i'm going to trust other people to you know to to do their best as well so that sounds like great advice to me from someone who's been around the block and done everything from pre-SAS, from turn-of-the-century marketers. We should, we should start a club, turn-of-the-century marketers. <laughs> uh, onwards. Uh, thank you, Megan. Thank you very much for insights. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, and uh, I think I'm going to listen uh, to this through uh, afterwards just so I can... <laughs> uh, you know, remember some of it because I think you covered a lot in a short space of time. Thank you for your time. Thanks, it was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Megan. For more info on Send With Us, please visit www.sendwithus.com. For more info about this show and to get our links to iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher and YouTube, check out www.47insights.com. And if you have any SaaS marketing insights that you'd like to share on the show, please get in touch. Until next time.